Welcome back to part two of Money Talks. And in this series, we're asking the question, what would money say if money could talk? And we have discovered that what money would say actually matches what Jesus said when he talked about money. Now, if you remember back to last week, I asked you, what would you do or what do you do with your spare money? You know, your extra money. And then we discovered that we actually have extra money or we had it anyway because all of our money is accounted for, right? We either spent it or we are about to spend it or we're paying it off. We're paying off what we spent it on a long time ago. Or maybe we're saving it for a vacation or a rainy day or retirement. And I use the word to describe this destructive cycle. And that word was greed. Greed is the assumption that everything that comes our way is for our consumption. That every single dollar that comes my way is meant for me. Every dollar that comes your way, it's meant for you. It's meant to spend now or it's meant to save for later so you can spend it later. But either way, it's for you and it's for me. Now, of course, Jesus disagreed with this whole idea. In fact, he told us, and he didn't mince a lot of words here, that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In other words, life is not about stuff. Life is not about what you have. Life is not a race for newer, nicer, upgraded, renovated. Life is so much more than that. And you know that. And your money, Jesus says your money is just a tool. In fact, if money could talk, it would remind us that I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of your life. Now this week, we're going to discuss a second thing our money might tell us if our money could talk. And if our money could actually talk, it might tell us this. The moment you think you own me, I actually own you. The moment you think you own me, I actually own you. Now to illustrate this, I want to speak on the current trends in North America. Now hopefully in your lifetime, your income will look something like this. And your spending, well, it'll look something like this. The truth is, most of us allow our income to actually match or drive our spending. In other words, if you make $45,000 a year, you're gonna spend $45,000 a year. If you make $55,000 a year, you're gonna spend it. $100,000 a year, you're gonna spend it. $200,000 a year, you're gonna spend it. $250,000 a year, to which, okay, I know some of you are gonna respond and go, wait a minute, if I made $200,000 a year, I wouldn't spend it all, not me. I would save it, I would put it away, I would do way better things with it. Maybe, but probably not. I say probably not because your current habits would follow you right up the pay scale. And that's not the, not the only thing that would follow you. Financial pressure would follow you as well, which will come as a shock because if you think, if I made that much money, how could it possibly have any financial pressure? Well, you'd be surprised. People who make that much money but have spent it all, you know, car payments, big mortgages, second mortgages, the cabin, they feel extraordinary 
financial pressures. For some of you, this is your story, right? You're making more money than you have ever made and you feel as much financial pressure or more as you have ever felt. In fact, it might be even worse, right? Because you see, if you lose a $55,000 a year job, you can probably go and find another one of those. But if you lose a $250,000 a year job, good luck. Those jobs are few and far in between. The more money people make, if their spending follows their income, if their habits continue, the more pressure they actually feel. Now, for some of us, the graph actually looks more like this, right? Our spending actually exceeds our income. And in fact, sometimes it's because income drops, right? Maybe we, we've been laid off, you know, or you decided to leave your job or change careers, but often it's because we spend and borrow until we are upside down. And the next thing you know, you don't just have money problems. You have, you have all kinds of problems. You have marriage problems. And every conversation is about money, right? How could you? Or why did you? Didn't we already? Didn't we talk about that? Lots of people with lots of stuff have lots of financial pressures. You see, when your life is like this, you actually become a slave. You have purchased or borrowed your way into slavery. MasterCard, line of credit, Royal Bank, student loans, they're actually, well, they actually become your masters. Now, they don't want to be your master. That's not why they're in the business. They're in the business to facilitate your happiness, to make things easier for you, to help you get through school or maybe own your own home. But when your personal finances look like this, they become your masters. And you know what? You begin to hate them. Worse, you don't even know who them is, but you hate it. And they don't know who you are either, by the way. You know what? You're just, you're actually, you're not even a name to them. You're just an account, account number. And if you don't believe me, call them. Tell them, tell them your name. And what's the next question they're going to ask you? What's your account number? You are a number, not a name. And worse, when you overspend and overborrow, you become a slave. You can't buy something now. You can't drive that anymore. You can't go on vacation here. Your kids can't go to a certain school you might want them to, right? Because you've overspent. I mean, who is running your life? People. People that you don't even know. Companies you don't even work for. The mortgage company, the credit union. You're a slave to a group of people you don't even know. And worst of all, you did this all to yourself. It's why money would say, if money could talk, it's why our money would warn us and say this, the moment you think you own me, I actually own you. Now, luckily, Jesus addresses this. And spoiler alert, according to Jesus, we don't actually own our money. It's not actually ours. I mean, we think we do. Of course we do. I mean, why wouldn't we? Think about the words we use. I earned this. I made it. I put in the hours. My name is on the paycheck. It was deposited into my account. 
So of course we think we own this stuff, to which our money and our stuff might reply, hey, but I'll still be here when you're gone. This is how we know we're not the owners. We'll leave it all behind one day. We don't own it. We just manage it. And we only manage it for a little while. Which begs the question, manage it for who? Jesus answered that question for us in a great parable. Now, it's a parable that you might have heard before. And if you have, try not to go to the end of it. Don't rush ahead of us. Stick with the story. See what Jesus is unpacking here. But here's the parable Jesus taught that really lays the foundation for where we're going in this session, in this message. Here's what he said. He said, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, in a parable, there's always a God figure, right? Jesus is trying to teach something here. And then there's always an us figure, somebody who represents us, the people. Somebody in the story represents the people in Jesus's audience and somebody in the parable represents God, the father. And if you read this parable, if you read the whole thing in its context, it becomes very clear that the wealthy man, the one who's going on the journey and entrusts his wealth to his servants, he represents God. And then the servants to whom the, this wealth is entrusted, well, that's, that's you, you and I. He continues, again, It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, notice he, what he, notice he doesn't give them his wealth. This wasn't a loan. He just lets them manage his money for him for a little while while he's gone. And what percentage of, of that money did the servants own? Zero. What percentage did the master own? All of it. It was all his, and this is really important part to notice. In fact, this actually is the point of the parable, okay? So keep that in mind. Jesus continues, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The master gets his guys together. He hands each of them a portion of his wealth, and he says, while I'm gone, I expect you to do with my wealth what I would do with my wealth. I want you to manage it the way you think I would manage it. And when, you re when I return, you'll have an opportunity to report how you did. Now, if you know this parable, you know what happens next. When he returns, he discovers they all didn't manage his money in the same way. Two of, these, of the three guys, they did pretty good. In fact, they doubled their master's money, but one of them doesn't do that well. He buries it. And so Jesus says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And this is the point of the parable um, we need to really see. This is so clear here. The servants didn't get to keep the money they were managing. They didn't get to keep the, the extra money they made on their master's money. It all went back to the master because 100% of it belonged to him and zero belonged to them. They were just managers. And when we read this parable, there's a tendency to get all cut up in the unfairness, right? I mean, one guy got five, another one got two. One only had one. In fact, some of us get really stuck in that numbering system, right? 
You look around the world, you look around your community, you look at your friends and you think, it's just not fair. I work just as hard as he does. I work just as hard as she does. But her salary is twice as big as mine. I mean, if I had that much money, if I had that much opportunity, but Jesus says, no, 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 wait a minute. That's not the point. The point of this parable is simply this. It's not the amount that each of these servants was asked to manage. That was outside of their control. The issue wasn't how much they managed. It's what they did with what they were asked to manage. It's not the amount that was asked to manage, but what was done with the amount. And just a small side note here. It's not just about money. It's not just money Jesus is talking about here. The Greek word here is talenton, which essentially means to bear a balance, a weight, with implication here that the weight could be money or could be talents, meaning our skills, our giftings, our talents. Now, you are maybe saying this is all well and good, but I know myself and I know what I would do. I know how I would handle this. And I'm still not sure if this is fair because I only got one. I only have a small amount. While Susan, Justin, Kelly, Toby, they got so much more than I did. So what, what do I do with all that? Well, there's a, there's a few lessons that we really need to pick up in this parable. And the first is this. It's not the amount you have been given that matters. It's how you use it. We need to recognize this first and foremost. God gives us all something but also that God never asks us for something we don't have. Think about that. God doesn't expect you to do something you're unable to do. But he does ask you that you should use what you have been given. See, our problem is often not using our, or discovering or growing the gifts we have, whether it's money, ability, opportunity, skill, or talent. We are not equal in talents, but we, are, but we can be equal in effort. This parable is a reminder that whatever talents you have, the little or great, their purpose is to be managed and to be used for God. Now, the second thing we learn is the reward of work well done is being entrusted with more. The managers were instructed to do more with the money they managed well. And I don't mean just because you did well at your job. Here you go. Here's your new BMW. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. Jesus said to both of the servants who did well, he said to them, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Meaning they found their talents, their abilities, their amounts, who they were by doing what was right. And because of that, they were released into their purpose and trusted to live a life of managing what God has given them. And finally, the third, things, third thing we learn, the greatest mismanagement of what we have been given is simply doing nothing with it. In the parable of the servants, if the servant with very little, with the one talent, with, a, with one bag of gold, had he even ventured to do something and lost it, it would have been better than do nothing at all. It is always a temptation for the one talent person to say, I have so little and I could do so little with it. Bad management starts with us. 
We tend to blame our circumstance. We tend to blame how much we have or don't have. We play the comparison game. We do all these things thinking we are excused from being good managers. But we must return to the heart of the story, to the heart of this parable when we come to this place. And we must address that Jesus is asking about what we did with what we had. Not how much, but what we did with what we had. Now think about this. If you sat down with your financial planner or someone who was managing your money and you asked to see where your financial planner had invested your money and he or she said, well, you know, you know, I'm not really organized. I don't really keep track of all these details, but, well, as soon as that person says, but, it's time to find a new financial planner, right? Because when you manage someone else's money, you're responsible and you are accountable. Responsible and accountable. So how about you? Do you feel responsible and accountable for how you manage what you have been given, which has been entrusted to you? Or are you the kind of financial planner and manager that God would have to fire? I mean, could you give an account of where your money is going, where it's gone, or is it just gone? If all of this seems a bit overwhelming, no worries. The good news is we want to help. We know this is a difficult thing to do. I mean, we all think we would do better with more, but the reality is that the habits we develop are who we are. And even with more money, our habits continue. And the pressure, uh, the pressures grow and we don't always manage well because our spending outnumbers our income. To help us do this well, here at Circle, we are starting the money course. We have partnered with CAP, which is Christians Against Poverty. This is an excellent organization that believes that we can eradicate poverty by using the money we have as a tool that works for us, as a means and not the end. This money course will help you uh, come to grips with all our consumption assumptions. Whether you have much or little, whether you are a saver or a spender, this course is for everyone. We will be offering this online so you can do it in the safety and comfort of your own home. And it will be launched on October 21st. If you're watching this online, please see the, our link and our registration and register. Best of all, this course is free. Our partnership with CAP is with the goal in mind to manage the resources together, to manage them well, so that you and I can be best managers of money given to us for management. Because when it comes to money, we should never find ourselves saying, but, well, well, it seems to me, or uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, or um, it seems like last time, I mean, let's face it. A certain amount comes in and then we spend it. A certain amount comes in and then you, or you and your husband, or you and your wife, you really decide where it goes. So when it comes to money, there should be no mystery. There's mystery when it comes to love and romance. There's a lot of mystery to your spouse. For example, like, like why does he do that still? Or uh, there's a lot of mystery in the family that's growing. There's mystery when it comes to your kids. In fact, there's a lot of mystery when it comes to your junior hires and senior hires. Uh, but when it comes to knowing where your money went, there should be no mystery. And this is true whether you have a little bit or a lot. 
Remember the parable. How much money each servant was managing was irrelevant. What mattered was what they did with what they were asked to manage. Jesus could not have been any clearer. Please join us for the CAP course. It's free. It's accessible. It's online. We have our own circle people helping us run it. Those who have been gifted in these areas. We will together develop best practices, best management, best tracking, and work towards becoming the best managers we can be. And finally, please remember the reason you should take this course. The reason you should keep track of where your money is going is that it's not your money. You are a manager, not an owner. So you should be knowing where all your master's money is going.